Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? It was awful. I feel like I'm holding on too tight. I lost the edge. <laughs> wait, isn't that uh, <laughs> wait, Goose from Top Gun? I mean, in as much as it's not Goose, it's Cougar. But yes, it's from Top <laughs> oh, it's Gun. So easy to get them confused. So now you're the world's foremost authority on Top Gun. <laughs> I have been since watching Top Gun for the first time last week. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Until then, this is This Week in Note. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, well, we haven't been here uh, for 10 days, I think it's been. It's been a, a desert, a nope desert. It's been really complicated. I mean, this is the third time we've attempted to record <laughs> this podcast, the third consecutive day. We keep running into technical issues. Um, third time's the charm, so I'm really excited that it's working this time. And last week we were out. Um, you put out this amazing PSA about our crazy summer schedule, and there, there's more to it than meets the eye. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we could have had a show last week. We did um, plan to record a show last week, and it was definitely one of the worst weeks on record. We had a ton of things to talk about, but we were just so beat down by everything that happened. And, and, I, and I think we started drinking too early. Usually we time it so. well, but... And we had this ingenious idea to watch Top Gun because everybody was <laughs> tweeting about it last week because of the new Top Gun Maverick starring Tom Cruise. And we'd never seen the original. We're the only two people in the country who'd never seen the original. So we were going to watch it and talk about it. But by the time it was done, we were just we couldn't process what we saw. We realized we needed to take a week and let it marinate and cuz it was, it was a lot sen but sensory <laughs> overload <laughs> we and we have a lot to say about it we'll talk about it later on in the show okay but the other thing that everyone was watching last week or this week other than top gun was the democratic debates and yes. uh, i know it's it's been a few days and but all the pundits have been on they've been saying the same things and i know everybody has been waiting for our hot takes so we're going to talk about the things that not everyone is talking about and i cannot stop thinking about marianne williamson our finest living <laughs> she's <Sorceress>. unforgettable <laughs> right so Right. There, there are 20 candidates over over two nights, and she <laughs> captured the nation's attention. She's America's sweetheart now. She stole um, the show. She really <laughs> she did. Well, she started by yodeling <laughs> on the stage, which has got to be a first in American political history. Um, she a, quoted it's science. It's a really good technique. I mean, nobody thought of that before. <laughs> when you're losing a debate, just yodel. <laughs> or like if you're in a business meeting. <laughs> Like pitching something and you're you're not doing well, just start yodeling. <laughs> it's a lost start. And then she broke out the Seinfeld. She said yada yada yada. And then she started talking about dark psychic forces um, of Trump, which is actually kind of accurate. But she wants to smother it with love. Which sure, why not? And then it turns out that this strategy worked. She was the most Googled candidate in America. So if this was a ploy to to gain everyone's attention, it completely worked. Yeah, I mean, I think she did gain everyone's attention, but I also think that Russian bots are out in force and they like want her to be the <laughs> forerunner, you know? So they're like Googling all night long and skewing the results. 
Right. Now, what's amazing, even more amazing to me, is that as as wacko as she was on stage, what 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 was even more amazing was what she said afterwards in the spin room. So, you know, afterwards, all the candidates go to this place where the reporters swarm them and ask them questions. So she, of course, out of all the people who could have interviewed her, she chose to be interviewed by a 10-year-old reporter named Jeffrey Kraft. And he asked the cutting question of if she were elected president, would she bring a pet to the White House? Um, which is a cute question, actually, apropos of some topics we're going to talk about later. And uh, she said, I had a cat and the cat died. The White House is very big. Theoretically, you can have a cat and a dog. <laughs> what does that have to do with the question? She didn't answer the question. She said, <laughs> no. Nobody was asking about her history with pets or the size of the White House, whether they could fit. Does it mean she's willing to try again or she doesn't want to choose between cats and dogs? Or she she's going to run up. answer that question. <laughs> We are deeply, deeply fucked. That's a softball. I would call that the definition of it. She's going to run a zoo. She's going to have an animal menagerie there. She's like basically mapping out the size of the White House to see like how big of an animal she could fit in there. Coco can fit in the White House. Coco. Coco's not going to fit. So um, then she also said that when they asked her, like, how did you think the debate went? Instead of saying it was great or bad, she said, I need to wait for the memes to see how it went over. So now her her entire like worldview is being dictated by memes, which might be how she runs the country as well. And there were, in fact, a, a plenitude of memes. So one of them had to do with like Lisa Simpson writing a poem. There was one tweet. I guess this was uh uh, Jimmy Fallon or something, who said, I don't want Marion Williamson to be president, but I do want her to be dictator. And most interesting is everyone started comparing her to the Cats film trailer. Someone said uh, if the Cats, tra- she was, if the Cats trailer became a person, it would be Marianne Williamson. That's really a smart observation. I think that's like 100% <laughs> accurate. And in fact, I think the producers are idiots for not hiring Marianne. Not casting her. <laughs> she should have been cast. Like, goodbye, she, Judy Dench. Hello, Marianne yes. Williamson. And she had a cat, and the cat died. So she's an expert in cats. <laughs> she's clearly <laughs> our world's foremost feline authority. And she is a feline, and she kills them as well. So, no, Marianne Williamson. Uh, no, I mean, uh, good entertainment, but get out of the political sphere. Get into get into Broadway. Get into the, well, the pet the care thing industry. That I can't understand is people keep saying like, "Oh, Marianne Williamson had a lot of interesting things to say." Oh, I, she's the only one making sense. And I'm thinking like, this is how it happens. First, you say that, and before you know it, she gets momentum, and she's the candidate. Right. Does the script sound familiar? I think we've seen this play <laughs> we've before. We've seen it before. No, and shut it, it down. <laughs> no, thank no, God. Okay. No. All we've, I can say all... is, thank God, only seven of the twenty candidates so far qualify for the next debates, and one of them is not <laughs> Marianne Williamson. <laughs> Go back in your hole. No. 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 Okay. No, shut it down. Well, Rachel, I, even that, I don't think that was the worst thing that happened in the last week. <laughs> no, there are some really disgusting things that happened this week. And one of them is that Jeffrey Epstein um, wants to freeze his penis and has <laughs> told people, I'm just going to put it out there, you know, he's told people for a long time that he wants to freeze his head and his penis. <laughs> um, the, this was reported in the New York Times. 
Um, and he, like he was going around saying this for years to leading scientists that when he died, he wanted to preserve his brain and penis by having it cryonically frozen. And he also told these same people that he was planning on single-handedly repopulating the earth with um, a breed of geniuses all seated by his sperm by impregnating oh. 20 women at a time at his Zorro ranch in New Mexico. And <laughs> I like, I have so many questions like why Wait. did nobody think this was weird? And like, I, because <laughs> when you're rich, when you're rich or allegedly rich, nobody says no to you. They're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, interesting. Okay, like, I'll okay. Take the, I'll, I'll bookmark that idea. But here, Write here's my check. question. <laughs> I'll, I'll investigate it for you. Here, we'll do the <laughs> clinical trials. So, so here's my question, though: Is the penis, the frozen penis, instrumental in the insemination of his seed? Like, are they going to use the penis as an instrument of? of spreading it or is that just he wants his manhood preserved like for aesthetic I think reasons? it's a really it's a really good question I think um you know the the whole point of the preservation of the head and the penis is that like technology hasn't yet caught up to this idea but you could bring them back to life so if he preserves it then theoretically in the future he could continue spreading his seed Oh, I know, but you don't. You don't need the physical penis to do that. Like that's just a con- <laughs> that's just a conduit. Like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like presumably, if you have the sperm, there are other ways to like spread the population. <laughs> right. So maybe not. Maybe he just wants it. Like um, I don't know, in a museum or something. I don't know. And this is, a you know, freezing the head is a thing in like Futurama and maybe someone regular crazy like Elon Musk would want to do that. And, you know, he's weird, but he's not evil, I don't think. But of course, it's like the, one of the most evilest people on earth now who wants to do this. And like the evil and the crazy are correlated. Oh, absolutely. And But like, I don't know. So this guy has been palling around with like Richard Dawkins and Stephen Hawking and <laughs> Stephen Pinker and Nobel, the Nobel Prize winner who had discovered the quark and he's sitting there telling them like hey guys i'm gonna freeze my penis and repopulate the earth with my spawn and nobody's like hey like maybe we shouldn't hang out with this guy or like maybe let's call the police like this is <laughs> could you imagine him like grabbing a beer with stephen hawking <laughs> i cannot to be a fly cannot, on the but... wall of that but it has happened is the thing that we yes. must contend with. And like the, the craziest part is that like he was inspired by this um, repository for germinal choice, which was this crazy sperm bank that um, went out of business in 1999 and it held sperm from all these Nobel laureates. And it was started Ugh. by this racist Ugh. eugenicist. But like Jeffrey Epstein's Fakakta idea was like not Nobel laureates, but his own sperm, like a grifter rapist from Coney Island who never even graduated from college is going like, to repopulate the earth. From, who is now my neighbor. <laughs> right. Who now lives in a cell in Tribeca. So this is disgusting. Okay. Now um, I'm done with this topic. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't even, it's, it's vile. There's so many other like elements in this article. I will link to it in the show notes. You should read it. But, um, but no, I think his penis should be frozen while it is still on his body 
right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And on that note, nope, nope. To everything no, about it. Jeffrey Epstein, almost too easy. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to radically uh, change topics here. I want to talk about cruise ships. Cruise ships are dangerous. Um, have you ever taken a cruise? No, and I'm never going to. Nope, oh, not I, interested. I, li- I like them despite the danger. Your parents take them, right? My parents have gone on them. I just don't, I, I don't like the idea. I, I feel like it's uh, dangerous. Okay, yeah, well, people are always getting Legionnaire's disease. Like, I feel like they're capsizing all the time. But this past week, there was big news in the cruise world. So this is about the P&O cruise line ship called Britannia. It was off the coast of Norway, um, and there was a violent brawl among the passengers that was triggered by a clown. So it was a clown brawl. Uh, Several... (laughs) Several passengers were injured and others were quarantined to their cabin for the rest of the cruise. And I read about this. It sounded terrifying. I can't think of anything worse. Clouds, clowns are scary enough and like it. uh, And yes, imagine like a violent brawl with a clown. Um, So you're stuck on a boat. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. (laughs) So um, this was all relayed. The reason we know this in such detail is uh, Richard Gaysford, who is a correspondent for uh, ITV Good Morning Britain, actually was on board and was like live tweeting it. Um, And apparently what happened is that people were drinking heavily uh, in some kind of gala and a clown showed up in the room and it upset another passenger who said he had specifically booked a cruise with no clowns. So, so, like, is that like an option? Like when you're booking your cruise? Like it's seamless when it's like anything else you want us to know. No clowns. No no bun. No bean sprouts. No clowns. And like, so why was that an option? And why was like, it's, do a lot of people concerned about clowns? I mean, I feel like if somebody had reminded me any time I book a vacation, I would definitely check the box. No clowns. <laughs> what else? So, like what? no, no, like man-eating sharks, no hedgehogs, no whatever. So uh, here's here's part of his dispatch about how bad it was. He says there was blood everywhere. Passengers used furniture and plates as weapons. Witnesses told me they were so frightened they had to hide as family groups fought. So entire families are fighting each other. These drunk tourists off the coast of Norway. Now, here's the postscript to this. As with so many of these insane stories, uh, P&O Cruise Line promptly put out a, um, <laughs> a press release that said that this never actually happened. Oh, it did happen. There was a brawl on the cruise, but they could not confirm that it involved a clown. They couldn't Even confirm though- it, but they couldn't deny it. <laughs> deny it right, right. You can't prove a negative. <laughs> It's like it depends on what the meaning of a clown is. (laughs) Right. Did they mean like lowercase clown, like a guy who was clowning around or a guy in full like bozo makeup? Right. It might have not been a circus clown, but it might have been like an ass clown. (laughs) Ass clown. (laughs) Okay. So I think the moral of the story is if you are going to take a cruise ship, by all means, check the no clowns box, but do not expect them to abide by your wishes and be prepared for the worst. Right. And if there is a clown attack on your cruise line, (laughs) don't deny it. It seems 
<laughs> no, we need accurate, accurate representations, especially if you're a member of the media, a correspondent for Good Morning Britain. We this need is to the, know. <laughs> we need to get to the bottom of this. More. We okay. will have more. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll have a follow-up. No, no, no. Cruise clown brawl. <laughs> no cruise clowns. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I haven't seen I haven't seen you for like two weeks. You've been out at the glamorous Hamptons. Yes, I've been in the in West Hampton um, at my parents' place um, with AJ and our puppy. And um, I have to say, especially these days, it's rare that my glamorous life um, intersects with the Trump administration. Oh, did, did you have a house house guest? Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, some... I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. In the Hamptons. Um, and let me just give a bit of background. You know, every summer I go to this watermill gala with Josh and my sister and my brother-in-law who actually oversees these um, the event and the elaborate installations for the event. He's been doing this for almost 20 years. And yeah, I, ke- I came last year. It was amazing. Yes, right. And and as you know, it is a very unique event at a beautiful location. It's a celebration of performance art and, you know, other forms of art in- and there's all yeah there's some super weird shit that goes around right, like nudity, nudity and people hanging from the trees and like digging their own graves <laughs> and nymphs, any- people wrapped <laughs> right. in cellophane it's like it's like anything Stephane. can happen this club has everything <laughs> you know <laughs> so um one year like lady gaga was there and then winona Ryder, robert downey jr was there and so you, it's that kind of thing but um, this year, I didn't see that many celebrities. There was just like Luann De La Seps, who I know because I profiled her in the New York Times. But one, the one person I was not expecting to see was Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. <laughs> but there he was. He was like 100 years old and barely coherent. <laughs> barely falling asleep in meetings. But there he was in all his glory, standing in front of a man in the dirt wrestling either wrestling or having sex with a giant fly (laughs) (laughs) it was (laughs) it was all very kafka-esque i don't was wilbur ross part of the installation (laughs) no you couldn't tell like any mossy lump of earth could have been wilbur ross like maybe he was maybe Maybe he was was like maybe he was maybe i was just imagining him (laughs) maybe he was lurking lurking in the back what do you think he thought it was do you like what do you think he was shocked or he was just so baffled by what it was that he didn't notice like what could you tell i couldn't tell um there's a photo of him and he just looks as if he could be looking at anything you know um but like i i went to see like what why would wilbur ross be at this like water mill thing and he he lives out in the hamptons and like most money launderers wilbur ross is an (laughs) art collector and he has a collection that's valued around 150 billion dollars and the thing is that you may not know is it consists mostly of magritte's okay really so could you imagine having all that money and spending it on magritte's <laughs> well, maybe he's spending it. Those are just the ones you see hanging on the walls. Maybe he really has like a a dungeon full of like fucking flies. Also, <laughs> flies. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, all I can think of is like Luann was there too, and as she has said so many times, money can't buy you class. No, it cannot. And this is elegance proof is of learned, that. and I think. <laughs> um, 
no, no, Wilbur Ross, we don't want no, you. And stay in your hole. Stay, stay in, in your, your fly in your lane, fly dungeon. Fall asleep in your meetings in the <laughs> commerce department. We don't need you at our, at these events. You're you're really sullying the reputation of the Watermill Center. No, it's supposed to be a safe space for creativity, not grifters. So no, no just shut that down. No. no, no, no. Rachel, never go to that thing again, please. No, there are no Magritte's there. So goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, what else? Uh, what else has been going on in the Hamptons? Okay, so this is crazy. This is this. So the the Watermill Gala was on Saturday, and this happened on Sunday. This is news you can use, um, especially for people who have kids and dogs. Um, as as I've discussed on this podcast about six weeks ago, we got a puppy, and her name is Coco. She's quite large. She's a Saint Berdoodle. I'm out here, you know, in the Hamptons. And on Sunday, I was walking Coco with AJ. And I didn't realize this at the time, but like young kids can really rile a puppy up. And the puppy doesn't know. And AJ was like dangling sticks and she was jumping on him playfully. And she flew through the air smiling and her tooth got caught on his arm and slashed it open. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And AJ screamed. She bit me. Um, I, I went into immediate fight or flight. I thought I was going to faint. Um, he was gushing blood. I was terrified. We ran back into the house. I ran to the neighbor's this place. Is a, this is a great story for a comedy podcast. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> right. How your dog ate your son. I, it, was it was great. Terrifying. <laughs> so, so, the, so I ran to the neighbor's house. He's a doctor. And he came right over, looked at AJ's arm and said, okay, he's going to need stitches. So I take him to the ER. Meanwhile, Josh this week is in Los Angeles. So I'm out here you know, with my parents and they didn't want me to drive because I was in a tiz. I was freaking out. Uh, my adrenaline was pumping. So they kindly offered to drive me and AJ to the hospital. And, you know, none of us knew where is the hospital. So we have no idea. So we plug it into Google Maps. Google Maps, the perfect solution in an emergency, right? Yeah, the gold standard of the directions. gold standard. In the past, you'd have to either like know where the hospital was or look at an actual map or print it out. An atlas. Atlas. Yeah, no. But no, we are living in a new era and technology is going to save us, right? No, we we cannot have nice things. So we're driving north on like old Riverhead Road. My son is like bleeding and he's calmed down at this point. But like, you know, two minutes into our ride, the the Google woman says to make a U-turn. And then like two minutes later, it's like, no, make a U-turn again and then again. (laughs) And I'm just like, what are we doing? I realize and like my parents. Of all times, of all times (laughs) for the Google glitch to rear its head right we were in we were caught in the matrix and i realized like we needed a second opinion so i pulled out my (laughs) own phone and put on google maps and i saw that like on the map we were going the right direction so i said to my to my dad who was driving ignore her but everyone was like (laughs) just hyped up and in a tiz and you know i i say that there are no villains here only only saints everyone meant well but my mom was like she's telling us to turn around we have to turn around and i'm like no we don't have to listen to her she's not our boss we don't report to her so it's the robot overlords it's It's the robot overlords we do not have free will anymore so after we looped around like three times we eventually used our brains to override the algorithm and finally we got there aj got four stitches and a prescription for antibiotics and um thank god he's okay and um you know my parents are not so keen on the dog 
anymore, but I'm committed to making it work. <laughs> you're, double, you're doubling down um, on, well, on Coco. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I have so much at stake here. You know, I got this dog because I love my son. And now the dog has like an ear infection and I'm having trouble putting drops <laughs> okay. into her ears. And she's okay. getting it. Okay. okay. Anyway. Enough. Enough. Enough on Coco. So I, my big takeaway here is that despite the fact that this was insanely traumatic, your son is bleeding, your dog is freaked out and whatever's happening, the real, the real most traumatic thing was Google Maps. <laughs> Google Maps was the worst. Like, and I, I have one. I have one solution. Just turn on Waze. Waze. Just turn, why do you even use Google well, Maps? Isn't Waze, Waze is owned by Google now. Yeah, but they have like separate algorithms. Like if my if my Uber driver is using Google Maps, I like force him to shut it down and use Waze. Okay. All right. Well, listen. So nope to me for not using Waze. No, nope to no, no, no. no. Google Maps. You you were uh, in an altered state. You you. Every, so um, this is a package of items. I have multiple ones. So uh, in Las Vegas over the last week, the the meteorologist noticed that something was disrupting the weather radar and um, b- beforehand. And then the people on the ground noticed that they were being overwhelmed by swarms of grasshoppers. Um, and it was actually deterring tourists and starting to invoke hysteria on social media. So swarms of grasshoppers, like they're they're flying in your face. They're everywhere. Oh my God, this is like the plagues. Like Yes. <laughs> and it, it turns out that it's attracted to ultraviolet light on the strip, and they have no shortage of that. And especially, you know, uh, the Luxor, the pyramid, they have oh, that yeah. sky beam, right? So it's like a pillar of light that rises from the hotel, and it attra- that's attracted attracting huge swarms oh it's like a um, moth to the flame except like a grasshopper to the beam to the to the pyramids <laughs> right and of course so Ve- vegas is a city of hustlers they're always entrepreneurs so i there's a there's a pizza place called evil pie but it's e-v-e-l i guess like evil knievel and they have released a grasshopper pizza called the canyon hopper uh only for the bar- bravest daredevils and i think they're actually harvesting the grasshoppers who are like falling to the ground from Las Vegas, they're not getting like, you know, they have like commercial crickets for protein. I don't think that's this. I think they're actually like getting a a, a broom and a little dustpan. It's like roadkill. It's roadkill. It's grasshopper roadkill. So the, uh, the Canyon Hopper grasshopper pizza has chorizo, goat cheese, caramelized onions, arugula, and lime and garlic roasted grasshoppers. Oh, so they're not just dropping them on there. They are, there's a, you know, a Michelin star treatment to these grasshoppers. Mmm. There was just like a heli- <laughs> there was just like a helicopter flying outside my window. So I was like, I thought you were just I thought you were just floored by this delicious. I was contemplating the grasshoppers, <laughs> but I was like, wow, that was loud. <laughs> that's- okay, now that that's not the only similar situation in uh, from the southwest. So uh, the National Weather Service meteorologists also noticed something puzzling on their radar screens around San Diego uh, this week. It was this big green blob. And it turned out that this was a swarm of ladybugs. And this swarm was 80 miles wide and five to 9,000 feet up in the air. 80 miles and, of ladybugs? Yes. Could you imagine 80 miles worth of lady, ladybugs? Isn't, aren't um, ladybugs supposed to be good luck? <laughs> these are not good luck <laughs> if you could imagine them swarming you. It's like dose um, dependent. Right, and then it's called. It turns out that they're the the species is Hippodamia convergence, which I guess is convergent ladybugs, right? So they're converging. 
Oh, um, they're forming a course, giant ladybug. That's right. They're like, what? <laughs> there's a new science fiction movie here. <laughs> like the, the, like the, the Steven Spielberg, call us. <laughs> We have the next idea. And these, of course, this is all from climate change, right? Like it's too hot or too wet or too cold or whatever. And there's one final thing, Rachel, we haven't even talked about this. So I just found out when I was poking around that there is a seaweed patch in the Atlantic Ocean that stretches from the Gulf of Mexico to Africa. So I don't know what that is, like 3,000 miles of seaweed. Wow, that's a lot of seaweed. <laughs> that's a lot of sushi you can we make. We need to with put the, the seaweed with the ladybugs and the grasshoppers. <laughs> we could use the seaweed as like a net, as like a trap. If we could like airlift the seaweed to Las Vegas and San Diego, go above, <laughs> drop it on them. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we really have the solutions to all of we our environmental catastrophes. This is incredible. Like, so, okay, no to swarms, swarms of grasshoppers, swarms of ladybugs, swarms of seaweeds. You should all just converge like the convergent ladybugs and eat each other. No, no, shut it down. This is terrible. This is, uh, yeah. this does not portend um, well for Well, the for, our universe, for our universe. In <laughs> fact, although I have to say, I kind of wish on a week like this, I was subjected to a swarm of ladybugs and grasshoppers and seaweed it might be better than what actually happened yeah it would be a good excuse to focus on something other than the news for sure nothing like a distraction but nope to all those forums um okay rachel we we have to have to talk about our top gun experience yeah so this is our deep dive um into top gun it's um an explanation of what happened last week um so okay so last wednesday it was the day of the Mueller testimony and um we were watching msnbc before we recorded and brian remarked that one of the contributors looked like the guy from babe the movie about a cgi pig i still have no idea who he's talking <laughs> Wait, about one of the one of the guys looked like robert redford and another guy looks like the farmer guy from babe <laughs> okay right yeah there was a guy who looked like robert redford with a giant bow tie but then i mentioned that george miller the guy who directed the babe sequel pig in the city <laughs> also directed <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road, <laughs> making him the most versatile director in the history of the world. And then we there got... Should be a, there should be an Oscar for that. There most should versatile. be. Most versatile director. Then we got into the topic of movies. And that week, um, our Twitter feeds were dominated by Cats and Top Gun. And um, Brian has seen Cats. I've never seen Cats. And neither of us had seen Top Gun. So we... Um, there's dropped gonna, everything. We dropped everything. I mean, we had to. We had to get ahead of the news because if by, if by ahead you mean thirty five years in the past. behind the news, and we're we're so old that it took us like a half hour to figure out how to stream Top Gun, right? Because it wasn't on Netflix. So we had to get it on iTunes, and there was a whole like kerfuffle passwords. with the passwords. But so so we finally got it on top gun and we we watched um we watched it and we we have some some points to discuss let's first discuss the plot um okay so there's there's not a lot of exposition here and um from what i can understand and brian <laughs> tell me if you disagree there's some kind of um naval pilot competition to find out who is the best of the best um hence top gun and um tom cruise does this flippy move and everyone's like ooh he's a bad 
bad boy. He's dangerous. <laughs> he cannot be contained, but he's so good, but he's so bad. And so um and so then they they want to they all want to be the best, but then there's all these other things that happen that have nothing to do with the competition and the, the award is like a plaque. And so I <laughs> Right. Our finest fighter pilots are putting their lives at risk, and our government is allowing them to put their lives at risk. And one of them dies, right? Yes. In order to get a, in order to get a plaque. In order to get a plaque. Okay. <laughs> so that's the, those are the stakes. That's the plot. That's the whole plot. Um, and so let's talk about the characters. So Tom Cruise plays Maverick. Maverick is our hero. We know that we like him because during some kind of military exercise at the beginning, uh, Cougar, it, who's a, played by a gentleman named John Stockwell, he goes kind of AWOL in the middle of the air and Maverick has to save him despite the fact that he's running out of gas. He's running on fumes and it's unclear how exactly he saved him or why he needed to fly next to him in order to save him. Like, it was moral support. It was moral support. Moral support. But couldn't he have given that same moral support from like the control like, room? Like, over the radio? Yeah. No, the, prob- the problem was there were two, there's two other things. There was so much inappropriate behavior. The control room was basically rendered unusable because there was a guy smoking a cigar in the control room of an aircraft carrier, right? Which is maybe, maybe today that's unacceptable. I doubt it was even acceptable then but wasn't the real reason that they like screwed up was that they were going upside down over like the russian big fighters and he took a polaroid picture of the russian fighter oh, yeah. pilot right right he gave him the middle finger and took a polaroid it was like the first selfie basically selfie ever. it was the dawn of the age of the <laughs> selfies so i would say that once whoever this who was it again who did that whatever the guy who died once he did that like he sealed his own death No, warrant. Tom Cruise did the selfie. Oh, God. Okay. No, Cougar, Cougar was the one who looked at a picture of his wife on the dashboard and decided, like, he's to lost run out his of edge. Gas. And he's <laughs> right. just like, he can't come down. Which, okay. What What else about this movie? There's okay. so much. I, I took some notes. I can't even get but through so, no, But so there's, like, a whole cast of characters. There's, you know, Goose, who's Maverick's wingman, played by Anthony Edwards. The nemesis, Iceman, is played by Val Kilmer. There's Wolfman, who keeps showing up at the most <laughs> random moments. He's like the ghost in the machine. And then it like it's this very like homoerotic musical about two men who like to serenade women in bars, Maverick and Goose. And then Maverick finally gets the girl and Goose dies. And then Wolfman shows up and makes a phone call at a payphone to say that Maverick <laughs> no- is losing it. Who did he call? <laughs> the guy with the cigar in the <laughs> aircraft carrier. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But they are serenading. There's really only two songs of this thing. It's uh, Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone and Berlin, Take My Breath Away. And they play them. They would never do this now. They play them like the full song, like four times each during the during the movie. I know. Like, and nowadays, like, like music and movies is like 10 second sound clips and usually over the credits. And there's a lot of different songs. This was like the same one kind of. It was like a, an interlude. <laughs> it kept coming back. <laughs> It was reprises and remixes. And anyway, so that was terrible. No, and I want to talk about like the toxic masculinity on on display in this movie. Um, It was, you know, I realized the the damage it has inflicted upon an entire generation of people, you know, because women do not like to be serenaded in bars by people who cannot sing and there's this moment um when 
Tom Cruise meets his love interest, um, played by Kelly McGillis, and Goose bets Maverick $50, I think, to have quote unquote carnal knowledge of a woman in the bar. And that's when he first hits on Kelly McGillis, who turns out to be an aeronautics engineer with (laughs) an extensive eyeglass wardrobe. And and he follows. And it's disgusting. It's like 10 things I hate about you, like friends betting each other that they can like betting each other that they can bed some woman. Yeah, it's gross. And then like he like Kelly McGillis like rebuffs his advances and she's there with somebody else and Tom Cruise follows her into the ladies room, which is illegal. Bold. 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 I will say bold. It's inappropriate. And then he like, and then they finally like get together. So it like underscores the message that like, if the woman says like, she's not interested, if you follow her into the ladies room, (laughs) maybe maybe she'll 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 come around. (laughs) (laughs) And the worst part, what could could go wrong? Um, The worst part is like later he finds out she's like not only an aeronautics engineer, but she's his teacher. And she gives this lesson and she explains how like Maverick's flippy move to get away from the MIGs is like way too dangerous and too naughty to try and like it was a bad idea and he can't handle the criticism so like he kind of storms out of the class and then she goes and tries to talk to him and smooth things over but he like turns up his like motorcycle engine and is like eh I can't hear you and then she comes racing after him and she's driving like a 1932 vintage <laughs> Bentley and we don't know why. It's never explained. I bet she got into like, like in the original version, she got into like a Honda Civic and, and the director like, no, 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 no we, need, we something need something more, more dramatic. More glamorous and dramatic. <laughs> Bentley, <laughs> which of course all naval officers have access to a vintage Bentley. Um Okay, Rach. I think we. This is this is worse than actually the first time recapping the worst moments. Could we? Could we do some of the worst lines from this? Because we we sketch these down and and maybe maybe that'll wrap this. Because <laughs> I can't take much more. Yeah, I mean, I, I like yeah. There's one line where like the. I think it's Tom Skerritt who plays like the commander. He's like your your brain is cashing. What what is your that? E- yo, I wrote your, it down. Your ego, your ego is writing checks. Your body can't cash. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and the, there's another one like that uh, when they're being tough on them. If they, he says, if they mess up, you're going to be on a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit from Hong Kong. Is that like the worst <laughs> possible fate that could befall somebody in 1987? Like being on a cargo plane? Uh, uh, not, it's not like the dog shit hits you. It's like you're on the plane with some rubber and things. And it's rubber dog God. shit. It's like not real dog shit. Like, well, I don't okay. get No, but, no. But no, I do have to say something about Kelly McGillis. So, um, so Tom Cruise is coming back for the sequel next summer and Kelly McGillis was interviewed by Entertainment Tonight recently and she said she wasn't even asked to appear in the new film. She wasn't even told about it by the producers. And the reason why, she said, is I'm too old and I'm fat and I look age appropriate for what my age is. And that is not what that whole scene is about. And I think that was a really good answer because it's, yeah, I think it's also per- perhaps it's also because she's a lesbian. She's a lesbian, yep. And she's just um, I just can't believe they didn't even offer to give her a cameo as like you know this would be a very Hollywood thing to do to give her a cameo as like Tom Cruise's grandma. 
<laughs> right, right. Or like the like retired general right. who like comes back to like remind him of his roots or something. Right. So no, could we just okay, as much as we spent time on it, we sort of secretly liked it, hate watched it, but nope to Top Gun. No, no. We I mean I'm glad we watched it. It was the number one movie at the domestic box office um in nineteen eighty six. It brought in almost two hundred million dollars. And I really think that the unsung hero is Meg Ryan, who plays Goose's wife. And she really made a lot <laughs> out of a very small role. <laughs> right, right. Especially when her husband dies. Yes, <laughs> it was the first big movie. This was three years before when Harry met Sally. And you can tell when she comes on the screen that Meg Ryan is the real star. So She lights up the screen. She lights, lights up, up the, the screen. screen. So nope to Tom Cruise. Nope to Top Gun. Nope to the producers for not asking Kelly McGillis to be in the movie. And Meg Ryan. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> okay. okay. Shut it down. No, no. No. Okay. Well, if you've made it through our recap of a 35-year-old movie, <laughs> we're going to go to our yup seats of the things that are little rays of hope, little beacons of light uh, that got us through this terrible week. I'm going to start. This is going to be very unexpected given how much... Uh, criticism we give to the the transit system in New York City. I'm giving my up to New York City buses. For the first time ever, I took a bus by accident this week. What happened? Um, you just like were like walking around <laughs> blindfolded and like before you knew it, you were on a bus? Well, it wasn't an accident. It was more like an epiphany. I was like standing, like waiting for a cab. It was a relatively short ride. It was a straight shot up Madison Avenue. And there's all these bus lanes and I'm always resentful towards the bus lanes. I'm like, why don't I get to go in the bus lane? And Sure enough, I'm standing there and this like magical bus walks up or drives up. And I'm like, I wonder what would happen if I got into this bus. <laughs> and I walk Where in would and I it figure out me? a little car thing. <laughs> right, exactly. It's called the Madison Avenue Express. So that was a clue that I clumped right. onto. And sure enough, it was a delight. It was like empty. The people were nice. I pulled the little string, which was a little fun little activity. So, um, yup, to the New York yep City to buses. Public we transportation. All, yes. Well, not, not all. Of it, just the buses. Just the buses. <laughs> Subways are disgusting, so take the bus. Okay, great. What's your up, Rachel? My up goes to uh, Dolly Parton. It's sort of an evergreen. I love Dolly Parton, but I, I read an announcement in a tweet this week, and it got my pulse quickening. I, I almost couldn't breathe. Um, and so, before I tell you this, uh, I would just ask that you gird your loins. They're they're girded. <laughs> okay. So in the fall, there's going to be a new podcast. <laughs> It's called Dolly Parton's America, and it's going to oh. be hosted by Jad Abumrad, who co-hosts the Album, award- Albumrod. 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 Whatever. He- <laughs> Sorry, Jad. I know you listen to this podcast. He- He's he- Radiolab, yeah. Radiolab, yeah, with Robert Krulwich. And it's a nine-part series that looks at what Dolly Parton's life reveals about the country itself. And I really can't think oh. of anything that better aligns with my interests right now and it's going to be amazing so i'm psyched to listen to that podcast yeah maybe it should be a guest so it's dolly parton's america we're just living in it yep it is yep okay that about wraps up the podcast for today we're uh yeah we've got this weird schedule over the summer uh you know we're good we're gonna try to be on every week we might miss a week rachel you're doing some travel uh we might be late this is coming out on the weekend who knows just stay with yeah, us we do Keep the your... best we can we report to nobody we only report to our audience so and we do that we do this because 
we do this because it's fun. And if it starts causing stress, we'll just, uh, you know, release a little late or whatever. We, we do the best whatever. we can. But the thing you can do, though, is make sure you have your notifications on so that when we do come out, uh, you'll know about it. And uh, But we will be back, like after Labor Day, we'll be back to our regular Thursday morning every week. Count on it for your commute. Um, and we thank you for bearing with us and enjoying whatever we have to give. So thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, and if much. you like it, give us a give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps a lot. Um, give us your feedback. I'm at Rachel D. Brian's at, at Brian Hecht um, on Twitter. So um, let us know what you think. Great. Well, we'll talk to you next week or whenever we get our shit together and decide <laughs> not to watch an 80s movie. Thank you for listening. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. <laughs> <laughs>